0: Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me on the Murderish Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Rice. And today we're going to get into a story. It's something that happened to me uh, when I was a teenager. And I don't think about this often. I mean, I honestly don't even think I think about it on a weekly or a monthly basis. But when it does flash through my mind, it absolutely makes the hair on my arm stick up. It's extremely creepy. I think you'll find it interesting. And honestly, it's something that if it ended, differently could have affected, you know, my life in a major way and and my family's life, you know, forever. So I hope you find it interesting. Let's get into the story. I was a teenager. I was 18 years old. I was a senior in high school. I was about to graduate from uh, Redlands High School. And for those of you who don't know, Redlands is a small town about 70 miles east of downtown Los Angeles, and maybe like a 45-minute to an hour drive west of Palm Springs. It's off the 10 Freeway in Southern California. Um It's a really safe town. It's where I grew up. It's where I went to high school. And at the time this happened to me, uh, it was June of 1996. Like I said, I was days away from graduating from high school. My parents were fresh off of a divorce, and I ended up living with my mom. Uh, we had gotten a, a small two-bedroom apartment in the south side of town, which is, um, like I said, it's a really nice part of Redlands. And uh, we had been living there not too long. My mom was always really busy because she worked full-time, she commuted, but she was also in law school at the time. So she was always in her room studying studying. And uh, that's what she happened to be doing this particular night. It was a weeknight. I don't remember which day of the week, uh, if I remember correctly. I think my mom reminded me. This happened on my dad's birthday. So that would have been June 12th, 1996. Anyway, I was at home with my mom. It was probably about eight o'clock in the evening. It was dark out. And she was in her bedroom studying for, I don't know if she was studying for the bar or if she was just studying for her exams, but she was in law school. I had gone into her bedroom to let her know that I was going to go to the grocery store and grab a few things. We had a grocery store right across the street. So, I mean, I would drive there, which was kind of ridiculous, but it really was just right across the street. I left. I got into my car. I went to the grocery store. I was probably there for maybe 15 to 20 minutes. I grabbed a few things. I checked out and headed back home. When I entered the apartment complex, you know, thinking back on it now, I remember there was a car behind me, had its headlights on, obviously it was dark out, and I just remember that somebody was entering, you know, the apartment complex at the same time as I was, no big deal. So I entered the complex, I drove around the parking lot. It was an apartment complex where there were people living in downstairs units, and then there were also units just above you. I think there were different models. Maybe there was a one-bedroom unit. Um, There was a two-bedroom unit. That's what ours was. Uh, None of them were very big. The apartments all had, kind of as apartments do, they all had a small porch area just out front with a small uh, fence surrounding it. So it was pretty standard. So anyway, I drove into the parking lot and which was mostly covered. everybody had like a, an assigned parking space if you lived there and then there were some extra spots for guests who were visiting you. So I pulled in, I went over to our mailbox, which uh, is common in apartments. We all shared you know, a mailbox um, space. So it was just a bunch of locked mailboxes. And so I pulled over there, I checked our mail and I got back into my car. but before I got back into my car, I noticed there was a, a car parked in one of the parking spots nearby. The car was facing me. So if I looked at the car, I was looking directly into the windshield and the headlights were on. So it, it was kind of blocking my view to see who was inside the car. But I did just notice that there was a car. Uh, somebody was sitting in the driver's seat. The door was slightly open and their headlights were on. So like I said, I couldn't tell who was in the car, but it was just something that I noticed. So I got my mail, got back in my car, shut the door, and I drove, I mean, it's literally three more seconds, and pulled into our assigned parking space. Before I got out of the car, I, I don't know what I was doing, but I took a few seconds. I was sitting in the car, and this was before cell phones, by the way. I mean, I people certainly had cell phones, but they weren't common. Uh, not everybody had them. I certainly didn't have one. And so I was sitting in my car, and I noticed a man walking in front, of my car on a sidewalk. So I'm parked in my car. And if I'm looking straight forward through the windshield, there's a pathway, a a small sidewalk. And he was walking along that sidewalk directly in front of my car. And he was walking very slowly. He had both hands in his pockets. I remember that. And what creeped me out is that he began looking in the windshield, so directly at me, and he was glaring inside of my car. I mean, it, at the time, definitely made the hair on my arms stand up because it was unusual. I mean, I totally get somebody walking by and just kind of getting a quick glance of kind of who's in the car and looking at me, but it wasn't like that. I mean, he was glaring uh, the entire time he walked slowly in front of my car. So it gave me a weird feeling, but I guess you just chalk it up to being a naive teenager. Um, nothing, you know, super traumatic. I mean, I guess a few traumatic things had happened, but nothing Like this had ever happened to me. It's like I I kind of had the mindset of, Oh, everything's fine. You know, these things don't happen to me. This only happens to people on the news. You know, it's kind of one of those immature mindsets. So what did I do? (laughs) I grabbed my groceries and I got out of the car. Looking back now, you know, if you ever get that feeling, I'm sure I would have done something different. I would have shut the door and driven away just from the feeling that I got, but I didn't. So I got out of my car. I shut the door. I locked it. And I began walking along that same sidewalk that the man was walking along. So now he's in front of me. We're both walking in the same direction. He's probably about 20 feet ahead of me, walking slowly, and I'm walking behind him. So I'm not really thinking much of it. And basically, the sidewalk comes to kind of a fork. So if you kept walking straight on the sidewalk, you would eventually run into somebody's bottom floor apartment. You would run into their front door. So you would kind of have a dead end right at their front door, or you could veer off to the left and you could go toward a bunch of other apartments, which was where my apartment was. So as he approached kind of the fork in the sidewalk, he continued straight. So he ended up at somebody's doorstep. Now, I didn't know the people who lived there, but I had seen them before, and I just had the feeling that he did not know the people in that apartment, but yet he's standing at their doorstep you know, right in front of their door, he's not knocking, he's not ringing the doorbell, he's really not doing anything. He's just standing there. And so that kind of gave me a weird feeling because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, why is he standing at this person's door and not taking action? Why is he not ringing the doorbell or knocking on the door? So again, I got a weird, this is the second time that I got a very strange feeling. But at this point, I felt committed meaning, you know, I had already gotten out of my car. I was already walking toward my apartment. I was probably about 50 feet away from my apartment, so I wasn't far. So he's standing at the front door of these people, but he's not doing anything. And I took the sidewalk off to the left because that was going toward my apartment that I lived in with my mom. So as I went to the left, I had a strange feeling that I needed to look behind me and I needed to see where this man was. I needed to see if he was watching me or if he was just still standing there at those people's apartment. Something else, a detail I should include is when you're standing at those people's apartment where he was standing, in order to see me walking toward my apartment, he would have had to take in probably 15 steps back away from the door because there was about a five-foot shrub or a bush, whatever you want to call it, that lined the left side of these people's apartment. So in other words, while he's standing at the door at these people's apartment, if I continue walking toward the left, toward my apartment, he can no longer see me unless he steps away from the door. And in my mind, as I'm walking toward my apartment, I just had a very strong sensation that he probably did take a few steps back to watch me to see where I was going. So I did it. I turned around. And sure enough, he had done exactly what I thought. He had walked away from the people's door. And he was standing there just watching me not doing anything but watching where I was going. And I mean, I was so scared. And at that point, I knew, okay, something is definitely wrong here. He's watching me. But I also didn't want to draw too much attention to myself. My thought was to run. I just wanted to get inside my apartment. But If I did that, I'm like, he's going to give chase and things are going to get crazy. And so I just need to walk really fast. I just need to get into my apartment. I need to get myself safe. So I walked as fast as I could without being weird, I guess, you know, just without drawing too much attention. I never looked back again because I was scared shitless. I kept walking. I finally got to my door. And of course, as these things go, I mean, seriously, just like, you know, a horror movie, I'm I'm trying to jiggle my key in and try to get the door unlocked. And my mom and I were both lock freaks. I, I inherited this from my mom. And we always had the doors locked. We, You know, she was always weird about that. So I knew the door would be locked. So I'm trying to jiggle it open. I'm having trouble with my key. And you can just, it felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably five to 10 seconds. So I finally get the door unlocked. I immediately go inside, enter my apartment. So now I'm in the living room of my apartment and I immediately shut the door and I lock both locks the regular door lock, as well as the deadbolt. And I stand there for a second and I felt a huge relief come over me thinking, okay, Jamie, you're safe. You're inside your apartment. He can't get in. Everything's fine. And then what I did next, I mean, this is obviously red flags should have been... You know, waving in front of me, you know, in a major way. And they were, but again, not being somebody who had ever been, you know, attacked or had anything super traumatic happen to me. My thought was, okay, now I'm trying to downplay this. Like, Jamie, you made a big deal out of nothing. He's probably a guy who lives in the, you know, the apartment complex, you know, quit overreacting. And so I just completely, it left my mind as if it never happened. And I think it was because I had a false sense of security being in my apartment thinking, well, he can't get in, so I'm fine. He's just going to go away now. So I'm in my living room and I start walking down the hallway toward my mom's room. She was still in there studying and I was just going to go in there and kind of tell her what I got at the grocery store. So I walked into her bedroom and we just chatted for a few minutes, maybe three to four minutes. I told her what I had gotten at the grocery store. And I never once mentioned a strange man and what had just happened. I mean, it was literally as if it never happened. And I think back on this now, it almost sounds unbelievable. It almost sounds like, I mean, Jamie, why wouldn't you have told your mom about this strange thing that happened? But again, it's just proof that you really don't know how you're going to react to something until it happens to you. And I had already rationalized in my mind that I had overreacted. Nothing was wrong. So I never even told my mom about it. So we had a, you know, just a casual conversation. When we were done talking, I went to walk just a few steps to go into my bedroom. But something I should say is that, and I didn't think about this at the time, but it was, you know, obviously it was summertime or late spring. And so it was warm outside. And by the time I got home, you know, I left around 8 p.m. I had gotten home by 8.30. So something I hadn't thought about at the time, but I know now is that the windows in our apartment were open, but the blinds were closed because just like my mom is a lock freak, she's also a privacy freak. And if she has the windows open, she will always have the blinds shut so nobody can see in. And plus, we lived in an apartment with, you know, several, you know, hundreds of other people or however many people, and there's not much privacy. If you have your blinds open, anybody walking by on the sidewalk can see in. So the blinds were completely shut. The windows are open. I walked back toward my bedroom. My mom and I were done talking. And as I walked into my bedroom, just a split second, I noticed that my vertical blinds were swaying back and forth. We lived in the bottom story apartment. There was somebody on top of us, but we lived on the bottom floor. The only window in my bedroom was a sliding glass door, and it had those kind of like those cheap plastic vertical blinds that you could slide open and shut. Well, they were completely shut, so I couldn't see outside and nobody could see in, but my sliding glass door was open say maybe like a foot you know so it was open the screen was closed but the vertical blinds were closed as well so as i walked into my bedroom i just noticed slight movement in the vertical blinds and they were kind of swaying back and forth in the area where you would walk in and just a split second after that i see somebody's head coming in he was kind of leaning down entering my bedroom through the vertical blinds and a split second later, there's a man standing in my bedroom. And I I took a couple steps back, I remember. And to be honest with you, this whole next part of the story, I did not recall at all. I could not tell you what I said. I can remember a few things that he said, but my mom was sitting right there in her bedroom. So she heard the whole verbal exchange and she was able to tell me after it happened exactly what I said. I'm going to take a quick break from this story to tell you about a new podcast I think you should check out. It's called The Movie Makers. The hosts come up with movie ideas off the cuff, right before your ears. Here they are to tell you a little more about it. Hi, I'm William F. Reed. And I'm Sean Leonard. And we're The Movie Makers. It's a podcast that works sort of like a writer's room spitballing session. That's right. And we invite our friends and colleagues in the industry to join us in coming up with a movie pitch idea. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's not. (laughs) But it's always always a podcast. podcast. Yeah, we nailed it. (laughs) Cut. Print. You can find us by searching The Movie Maker's Three Separate Words wherever you get your podcast. So... The guy's in my bedroom and I immediately just dropped my groceries. I took a couple steps back and I think the first thing my mom said I said to him was, who the fuck are you and why are you in my bedroom? I yelled at him. I was angry and I could tell by his reaction that I actually startled him. He did not expect me to walk into my bedroom at the moment that I did. We found out later and if once you hear all the details, you're going to know that he was trying to enter my bedroom without getting caught, but he got caught. So obviously, you know, I'm so lucky that I walked into my bedroom at that very moment and caught him because had it been just a couple of seconds later, he could have hidden in my walk. I had a walk-in closet. He could have hidden in there. He could have hidden under... I had a daybed. Daybeds were really popular back then. I had a daybed that had a really large opening underneath. So a person, an adult could fit under there just fine. Somebody could hide under there and I would never know. I yelled at him. I said, who the fuck are you? Why are you in my bedroom? And he... Stuttered a little bit. He said, "Um, I'm," and he's kind of looking around and he's trying to think of something to say. He's trying to come up with a story, and he says, "My, my cat, my cat. I think my cat ran into your bedroom. I'm just trying to get my cat." And I yelled at him again, and I said, "You!" And I, <laughs> I, I laughed so hard that I said "You" to him. I don't know what made me say "You." The only thing I can think of is I thought he was obviously a pervert, and I was grossed out that he had come into my bedroom. So I said, ew, your, your cat's not in my bedroom. You need to get the fuck out of here. And I was yelling at him. And so immediately when he saw that I wasn't buying his story, he backed out, he ran out of the door. And that whole exchange was probably 10 to 15 seconds. I mean, it was not long. It felt like forever. And my mom, I mean, here's another funny thing is that I had a boyfriend at the time. He used to come over every, every now and then. And sometimes he would just come into the apartment through my sliding glass door. He would kind of jump over the small fence that surrounded our little porch area and he would just walk through the sliding glass door and announce himself. So my mom, for the first few seconds, thought, oh, you know, her boyfriend showed up. They're joking around with each other. She wasn't really paying attention. She was studying. And so she heard some conversation, but she really didn't, it didn't register to her that I was in trouble or in danger. So toward the tail end of the conversation, when I finally yelled for him to get the fuck out of there, she finally came to and was like, oh shit, Jamie's in trouble. Well, (laughs) you don't know my mom, but if if you do, you know that she is about a five foot two petite pit bull is the way I would describe her. I mean, she's does not take anybody's shit and she packs a gun. And so what she did was she grabbed her gun. It's always loaded. And she came running into my bedroom and I yelled and I said. There was a man in my bedroom. I don't know where he went. He left. He left. And so my mom ran out of my sliding glass door the same way that the man left. And she jumped over the fence, you know, and so now she's in the open outside of the apartment right out front. And she's looking for this guy and she's got her gun and he's nowhere to be found. I mean, he ran as fast as he could and he left. We didn't find him that night, but immediately after she had run after him, she came back inside to make sure I was okay. I mean, I was totally freaked out we called the cops and obviously made a report. When the cops got there, they go through the standard questions, you know, what happened? Walk me through this. So I told them there was a man, this and that. And I started to recall details. As they would ask me questions, they would say, okay, you were at the grocery store, right? And I said, yes. They said, did you notice anybody looking at you at the grocery store? Did you notice anybody following you home? And my answer was no at first, but then I started to recall all of the events that Really weren't a big deal at the time, but now they all make sense that, you know, there was a car right behind me as I entered the apartment that entered right after me. As I got my mail, there was somebody sitting in a car, you know, that with the door half open, just sitting there with their lights on, with the engine on. Just as I look back now, this was him and he was watching me get my mail. And so the police basically came to the conclusion that he saw me at the grocery store and he followed me home and he came into my apartment and I don't know what his motives were. But obviously, if somebody, they follow you home, and they're bold enough to do the things that he did, and he came into my bedroom, he came into my bedroom at an opportune time. Because if you rewind a little bit, when I was talking to my mom in her bedroom, when I had just gotten back from the grocery store, as I mentioned earlier, her window was open. So where he was standing at those people's apartment, you know, right by the, the bush or the shrub, It was only a few feet away from my mom's bedroom window. So he could hear everything that we were saying. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't think about it at the time. But at least he knew that I was not in my bedroom and he knew that he could make his move because I was in my mom's bedroom. So I think that's exactly what he did as he tried to enter my bedroom when I was not in there, and he was either going to do one of two things. He was going to hide in my closet until I went to bed, or he was going to hide under my bed. And again, like I said, I just cannot believe that I walked into my bedroom at that very time because had I just come in a few seconds later, I don't know what would have happened. I mean, I cannot even imagine it terrifies the shit out of me to think about me getting ready for bed, laying down in bed, turning the lights off. And who knows? I mean, he could have jumped on top of me and covered my mouth and who knows? I mean, it's just extremely terrifying. But something else interesting too, is that when the cops came and they were taking the report, you know, obviously they asked me to describe him. Well, I knew what kind of car he drove. He drove a very nice Lexus sedan. It was a four-door Lexus sedan. It was white and tan. I remember this, this model of Lexus when I was younger and I always thought, oh, that's a really nice car. And another trippy part about the story is that This man, it was obvious, he had just gotten off work. He probably ran to the grocery store to get a few things and then he was going to go home. But he got sidetracked and he followed me home. But he looked like the CEO of a bank. I mean, I've worked at a bank my whole career, you know, almost 20 years. And he looked like the CEO of a bank. I mean, he was wearing very nice pressed khaki pants. Uh, He was wearing dress shoes, very nice, shiny. They looked expensive. He was wearing a nice pressed white uh, short sleeve collared polo shirt. He was a white man, kind of a a healthy build, not a big guy, not a small guy, but he was seemed pretty fit for his age. He was probably about six feet tall. He had completely silver hair. So I would guess his age at about anywhere from maybe 50 to maybe approaching 60 years old. And the weird thing is the police started to ask me questions. I remember his whole entire outfit. I remember his hair. I remember his car, everything down to his shoes. I could not recall whether he had facial hair or not. And that seems like something so obvious, but I almost felt like I was looking through him at the time. I was so terrified and I was just like kind of like fight or flight mode, even though I was not fighting with him, but we were having a verbal exchange and I just wanted him out of my bedroom. And I never really looked at his face. I did, but I didn't. And it's kind of hard to explain. But, you know, the scary thing to this day is, you know, if I saw him walking past me or if I was having a face to face conversation with him, to this day, I would have no idea that it was him because I cannot tell you what his facial features were. I can just tell you his ethnicity, his clothing, his build, his vehicle, all those things. But that's what makes the story so much more terrifying for me because I think about things like he was definitely an executive at some professional firm, you know, whether it was a bank, a law firm, a CPA firm, whatever, you know, he was a professional and he did not look scary. He looked like, you know, your average next door neighbor kind of guy. He was probably a father. He was probably somebody's boss, somebody's husband, somebody's uncle, perhaps a grandfather. And yet. I would imagine nobody knows that this man follows girls home at night and goes into their bedrooms because I got to believe this is not the first time that he did it. And if it was, it's scary to think, how many times did he do it after me? Because somebody who has those impulses and those urges, I don't think they stop. I think that they let that impulse lead them. And I'm sure he had opportunities in the future. And it's terrifying to think, Was he ever successful in what his end goal was? Meaning, did he follow somebody else home after me and have his way with them? I mean, I hate to sound like that, but obviously he was there for, you know, he had with bad intentions. He wanted to do something bad. He wanted to harm me. He didn't get that opportunity with me. It's been so many years. I'm 39 years old now. This happened when I was 18. I often wonder, where is this man? What is he doing? Did he ever get caught? Is he in prison? Did his family or his employees ever find out that he's got this creepy? Side of him, you know? Um, so I don't know. He was never caught. Unfortunately, the police never found him. I actually tried to retrieve the police reports from the time that this happened. And basically, the long and short of it is that all the records have been destroyed. They could not find any records. Because I just kind of wanted to get a reminder of what my 18 year old self told the police at that time. I recall most of it, but I'm sure there are details that are in those police reports that maybe I've forgotten by now. So that night, I didn't even sleep in my bedroom. I slept on the floor in the hallway because I didn't want to be near any windows. I was completely freaked out. He knew where I lived. He entered my bedroom. So I just laid on the floor in the hallway and I felt safer there because I was just kind of closed in by two walls. The next morning we woke up, my mom and I made flyers and we post them all around the apartment complex with a description, letting everybody know, hey, there's a man, you know, that followed me home who came into my apartment. Be on the lookout if you know anything contact the police. Well, the apartment management did not like that because obviously that's not good for apartment sales or leasing, I should say. So they took all the signs down, which completely pissed my mom off. And like I said, she's you know not somebody that's going to go down quietly. So she and I went into the management office and she said, look, if you're not going to keep our signs up, we're going to let people know in other ways. Oh, and by the way, we're also breaking our lease. I don't know how many more months we had left on our lease, but we literally moved out that very next day. We packed our stuff. And we left and we were like, you can take us to court if you want to get the money, you know, from this broken lease because we're out of here. Obviously, I didn't feel safe because the guy was still running around out there and he knew where I lived. So we left. We went and rented a home in a different part of town. It's just scary to think about that there are people like this out there. They look like everyday people. You know, when I look back now and I think about it, it's like I learned so many lessons from that. It's always, always, always follow your gut. And if you see something creepy, don't talk yourself out of it. You know what I mean? Drive somewhere else and make a phone call. I mean, now people have cell phones. So if I had a cell phone at the time, I'm sure I would have called my mom and said, hey, there's a creepy guy outside, come outside or or whatever. But since I didn't have a cell phone, I should have never gotten out of my car. I should have driven away, gone back to the grocery store or somewhere safe and called my mom and said, hey, I don't feel safe getting out of my car because of this. But I didn't. And I totally and completely ignored all the red flags. All of my gut feelings and I should have listened and things would have turned out differently. But luckily, I walked into my bedroom at the very perfect time and I got away without being harmed. But um, let it be a lesson for you guys out there. You can never be too safe and there are weirdos out there like that. As a follow up, I don't know if this was related, but after we moved out of the apartment complex the next year, or maybe just a few months later, I can't remember the timing. There actually was a rape uh, that occurred in that apartment complex. So I don't know if it was related. um, And to be honest with you, I don't know if they ever caught that guy, but you know, how scary to think if it was the same guy, you know, I guess the guy, he could still be out there. I've often thought about, reaching out through Facebook. I mean, it's a long shot, but Redlands is a small town. Everybody knows everybody in a sense. It's that kind of town. And, you know, I've often thought about maybe putting, you know, a message out there saying, hey, this is, this happened to me. Here's a description of the guy. Here's the date that it happened. If anybody knows a man, I know the kind of car he drove. So maybe we can narrow it down that way. I would love to know where this guy is. I would love to track him down. And also me being, you know, a lot like my mom, I'm kind of feisty as well. I mean, I'd love to give him a piece of my mind. I would love to tell him how I feel about him and uh, just have a lot of, you know, I have a lot of choice words for him and I hope that he's not running around on the streets out there. I hope that he's gotten caught. But the sad part of that is if he did get caught, that means he did something bad and possibly hurt somebody else. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star rating and review. This helps the podcast in more ways than you know. And don't be shy. Tell a friend. The word of mouth is powerful. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at MurderishPod and on Facebook at Murderish Podcast. And remember, listeners of this podcast aren't murderers. You're just murder-ish. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Hi everybody i'm ember and i'm quinn together we're best friends who happen to be married pervy dark and full of humor we come together to bring you the fiercely altered perspective podcast also known as the fap pod One so good, it'll be hard to beat. Coming Friday, March 2nd, 2018. Join us each week as we cover all those creepy topics we secretly enjoy. From true crime to Tinkerbell and every dark, delicious thing in between. Stay tuned at the end of each episode where we'll have a little game of guess who. Meaning, we'll give you a description for the following week's episode that will require you to do a little bit of armchair investigation to uncover who or what we will be covering. So join us on our social media where we will keep the details moist until our release. Oh God! <laughs> no. We can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the Fap Pod, and be sure to join our Facebook group, the Official Fap Pod Group, for discussions and sneak peeks. We're busting down the door so you can see things from our perspective, and we hope you stick around to tell us yours. Until then, keep your eyes open and your palms soft. See you in March. <laughs> Hard to beat.